Hi, this is Lewis Black, and uh, you're listening to PF's tape recorder. I don't know how you got to be able to listen to it, but and, and that he even has a tape recorder at this point in our time is really extraordinary because there are better things for, to listen to stuff on. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, our old friend comedian, Dana Gould. You know, I can tell you from sitting in that room that no one ever had a negative intention. Uh, It's a beloved character. And, uh, you know, you learn as you go along. It's also one of those things that if we develop the show now, would we do it? No. We talked to Dana about what else? Planet of the Apes. We also talk about The Simpsons and how he was in that documentary about Apu. He talks about that. We have a song of the week coming up from Zara Larson. I think you're going to enjoy. And uh, F, But first, before all that, a couple of dumb bits from the archives. How many times has this happened to you? I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the restroom. Hmm. Flounders or snappers? Ooh. Let's try snappers. Ooh, sorry, wrong door. If you're a guy or girl on the go, then you know theme restaurant bathroom designations can be misleading. But now you don't ever have to be confused again because you've got the Restroom Thesaurus. The Restroom Thesaurus lists every possible combination of male-female euphemism. Blokes and birds, bantams and hands, shoots and ladders, bobsleds and moguls, endomorphs and gynecomorphs. Yes, the Restroom Thesaurus is your one-stop source for avoiding embarrassing entrances into the wrong bathroom. Seafood restaurants. Oh, let's see. Buoys and gulls, bulkheads and portholes, hornpipes and shanties. Oh, here we go. Flounders are men. All right. Never walk into the wrong restroom again with the Restroom Thesaurus because you don't want to take a shot in the dark. First, there was Vanilla Coke. (laughs) Then, Pepsi jumped on the bandwagon with Pepsi Vanilla. And now, Pepsi is trying to rip off Coke in an even bigger way. Introducing Pepsi Coke. It's Pepsi with the flavor of Coke. Mmm, I haven't had Pepsi this good since the last time I had a Coke. That's because the can says Pepsi, but the taste says Coke. Wow, Pepsi Coke is awesome. See, some 20-something gulped it down and said it was awesome, so it's gotta be good. And it comes in every possible variety. There's Diet Pepsi Coke 1, Caffeine-Free Pepsi Coke, Caffeine-Free Diet Pepsi Coke, Cherry Pepsi Coke, Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue, and Caffeine-Free Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue with Caffeine. Wow, I had no idea the taste of all my favorite Pepsi flavors would taste better with a taste of Coke. Take the Pepsi Coke taste test today and see if you can tell if you're tasting Pepsi or Coke or both. Pepsi Coke. It's the Pepsi name you know with the taste of Coke you love. Dana Gould, a stand-up comedian you may have seen headlining a club near you or a theater perhaps. He's also uh, working on his TV show Stand Against Evil. He's just been all over the place. And of course, you always love to talk about Planet of the Apes, so we'll do some of that too in our interview with Dana Gould. Hello? Hello, Dana. Yes, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, good, thanks for going. Uh, thank Thanks for letting me move it around a bit. Sorry, I'm juggling too much crap today. Uh, I had the same problem Friday when we had to move this today because uh, my uh, other job got in the way, and well, you know how that is. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's orthodontist is what got in the way. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got that Wednesday morning actually. So okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm right there with you, man. So good to talk to you again. 
Thanks for talking to you. Yeah. Looking forward to coming back in town. Yeah. Um, well, as, as a reminder, as always, I've been to Minneapolis twice for an hour in the airport. Um, I'm in Cincinnati, <laughs> but you've been here, too. And I recycled one of our previous interviews for Minneapolis for Cincinnati. So. <laughs> Didn't, didn't have to bug you uh, uh, twice for that, but um, so uh, I guess we'll just we'll start uh, and get this out of the way as always. The, our our plan of the apes talk. We'll get that out of the way first. Um, <laughs> I remember I told you I I DVR'd all the Plan of the Apes episodes that they showed on MeTV, and I'm almost through them all. Uh, I watch them whenever I can, and uh, not as bad as I remember, quite honestly. I'd have to watch them. I'm you know I adapted the first. Sterling screenplay is a graphic novel. I'm assuming you might know that or not. I don't think you mentioned that before, no. Oh, yeah, no, it just came out a month ago, on, or two months ago now, on Boom. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's called Planet of the Age Visionaries, and uh, it's, I took Rod Sterling's first draft of the screenplay from 1960, Ooh. I guess five, March of 65. Yeah. It's a pretty different movie than the movie that you know. It's from, uh, it's more from the book. It's yeah. a lot of... Uh, the book is way different. Um, yeah, they live in the city, and it's, it's, it's much more... It's, it's sort of a halfway point between the movie that you know and the book. And I adapted it as a graphic novel. Chad Lewis did the art. It came out really good. I'm really proud of it. It's doing really well. Um, and so for the follow-up, Serling wrote two, uh, two episodes for a potential TV series. Um uh, and all the names of the TV series are, I mean, not all the names, but there's a, a chip called Galen, there's an astronaut called Verdon, there's a different other astronaut. And it takes place after the events of Planet of the Apes, the movie. Okay. It ignores everything else beneath and everything else. And basically, Cornelia, uh, Zira has been, uh, Ursus is rising as a sort of military, it's like the ape Trump. And uh, Zero was was shot as a traitor, basically. Okay. Okay. And uh, and uh, which sort of forced Zayas to examine him, his motivations, and Zayas has become sort of this fading liberal voice. And it's basically, you know, it's the adventures on on that planet of the Apes. Uh, after the excuse me, I, I'm not sick. I don't know why my voice is froggy. Um, it's the it's the adventures on that planet after Taylor arrives, uh, and I just he wrote two episodes, and I'm now adapting that okay. as the next graphic novel is basically a sequel to Rod Serling's version of Planet of the Apes. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. just, just a few weeks ago, weirdly, um, and I in one of the Facebook groups I'm in is it's old photos of Cincinnati. Someone. Uh, showed a clip, uh, it was a newspaper clipping of Rod Serling, because he used to live here, winning a screenwriting contest, and they put his full address in the uh, in the star- story. He lives with his wife and daughter at so-and-so. It's over in the other side of town. And you can Google Street Map, and the, the apartment building is still there to this day. Where this is oh, where is that, but it was like from the early 50s before he moved to New York? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he used to work for, for, for Channel 5 here in town. And another thing I just remembered... Uh, the job that interrupted us on Friday that kept that interview from happening, uh, one of the young gals that works for us in our events, it's a, it's a t-shirt company, her name is Nova, and we worked the same event last year, and I said, oh, do a lot of old guys like me say, oh, is that from Planet of the Apes? And she goes, it is from Planet of the Apes. My dad was a huge fan, and you're the only person that's ever known that. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. I also know a girl named Nova who's named after Nova. Wow. She lives in Seattle. Huh. 
This gal is, I think, my daughter's age. She's only twenty, so I, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so is the other Nova. <laughs> So I, I I reckon that happens, but uh, yeah, I thought that yeah, was, I guess it does. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, surprised as you. Yeah. So anyway, so what else is happening with you beyond that? Or is that what's been taking up most of your time? Or you other? Well, well, you know, Stand Against Evil season three is currently on right now. It premiered on Halloween night. Okay. And uh, we run every Wednesday at ten on IFC, and so I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm hoping that that gets a uh, a fourth season. We're we're working really hard, and it's the reviews have been really terrific. Uh, the the reviews are basically it's the show's best season, and I agree with the reviews. I think it's the show's best season. And um, and I'm uh, you know getting ready to either uh, write the fourth season of Stan, develop a different uh, develop a new television series, but also you know going on the road to. Uh, you know, to get ready for another, uh, to get ready for another special, I've got to do, uh, you know, I, I released an album a year ago and, uh, I like to do one every other year and I'm about 80, 80, 85% there. And so I want to finish that up and, uh, and get that out. Stay harder, hard to hit a moving target. I like to keep working and stay busy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, d- does it feel weird to have downtime when you're that busy? Yeah, it, it's awful. It's uh, to be honest, it's awful. I had uh, I've been working like you know eighteen hour days for ten months, and literally once the show premiered, like I also wrote a I wrote a I wrote a movie this year as well uh, that I can't discuss, but it's a it's a it's a big sequel to a big movie, and. Uh, I'm on an NDA to talk about what it is, but if it gets greenlit, I can talk about it. Um, but in the meantime, uh, uh, so I was working, you know, three and four full-time jobs in addition to that and my podcast. Like, I was That's right. really kicking it. Um, and uh, and then it all kind of stopped. Like, the, the, the Halloween podcast was finished. The movie was turned in, the show premiered, the book got published, and everything just came to a stop. <laughs> and I literally like, I'm a hobo, I'm a bum, I'm worthless, I've got nothing to do. I've got nothing to do. Um, it was really hilarious. It was really pathetic, or more pathetic, however you want to look at it. So what do you do at that point? Just kind of enjoy the time off, start writing jokes? So literally, and... I don't, it was only two days. You know? uh, it was Thursday, and it was, it was the day after Halloween and the day after that. And now um, I'm getting to work on the next podcast. I'm getting ready to go on the road. I'm writing a film, another, I'm starting another movie, and waiting to hear about the next season of the show. So, you know, I only really had about two days of downtime, but that was enough to strike terror into my heart. <laughs> Another thing I, I, you came up on, uh, this was made about a year ago, was that uh, I guess it was a documentary about uh, The Simpsons and about uh, Apu and things like that. I didn't see the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Saw, I, I came saw across your... really well in that, I thought. I, well, I saw your part of that, and I'm like, wait a second, why are we positioning this like Dana Gould's the bad guy when he's just trying to explain... You know, something that for because, a long time... Uh, because he needed a bad guy, I so, and I was yeah. the only person that talked to him yeah. under the impression that I wouldn't be turned into a cartoon evil white person. But <laughs> if you don't have another evil white person to do, I guess so. you take what you get. Yeah. And that's my fault for being that gullible. Yeah, my daughter and I were discussing it, and she's, you know, you know, she's a good liberal like us all, maybe more mm-hmm. so than me, but... um. 
you know, I was we were saying, you know, the thing that people seem to miss in that whole thing is that Apu is actually more successful than Homer. He owns his own business. I mean, Apu he was also one of the few three-dimensional characters on the show. He yeah. started off as a single person. He got married. He had a yeah. kid. I don't. I understand the concern. Yes. Uh, I understand, and I learned a lot from that documentary. I didn't know that people of Indian background were vilified after 9-11. You know, I didn't, it never occurred to me that these people, you know, they, they had nothing to do with it, but you can never underestimate the stupidity of, of exactly. some people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I learned a lot about the documentary. It is possible to tell a story where there's not necessarily a villain. It just takes a little more time to do it. Yes. And, uh, you know, I can tell you from sitting in that room that no one ever had a negative intention. Uh, it's a beloved character. And, uh, you know, you learn as you go along. It's also one of those things that if we develop the show now, would we do it? No. Yeah. The show was developed in 1988. It was a completely different era. And uh, and unfortunately, because it's animation, it, it, it it's on. still, it, you know, it's the same show, basically, and you change it totally. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it's uh, when, when it, you know, an, an increase in social awareness uh, uh, you know, when you, when it's, it, it's, it's hard to look back, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, you, it, it, you can't, you can't apply today's standards to stuff that was made years ago, you know, and, in and, and, and I believe it's in uh, a day of the races, uh, the March brothers movie where they're going on to war. Over to war we're gonna go. Grocery goes, hotty, 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 ho. And it's like, yeah, you couldn't do that now, but it was 1931. Yeah. So maybe Grocho wasn't a racist. He was just behaving in the context of the time. True. Um, and a lot of that stuff is what my stand-up is about now. It's just like it's sort of the awkward growing pains of of people as we sort of redefine what's acceptable and what's not and, and and trying to look at it in a way of like you know maybe this was a mistake but maybe i'm you know but maybe it's not evil maybe it was you know maybe it's something that we're we're adjusting to and we're growing i watched the producers the mel brooks movie which is absolutely brilliant um but the way they refer to the secretary uh inga binga is like nowadays, people are horrified by it. But you know, I know Mel Brooks. He's a very enlightened, loving person. Yeah. He doesn't have a malicious bone in his body, and I know him very well. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to see things in the context of their time. Definitely. We look at back at like Sixteen Candles and some of the John Hughes films, and the stuff we found funny. Animal with... House. Yeah. Revenge of the Nerds. There's a date rape in the plot of Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, and and you look back you know? at that, it was funny yeah. then. You look back now and you're like, oh, now, now it's no longer funny. Now it's a social lesson. It's like, oh, yeah, we were kind of horrible yeah, back then. Know, but at the time, at the time, yes, we weren't that evolved. That's the whole point. And it shows how we evolve we are now, and we learn and grow as we go. Exactly, and the fact that we are, you know, taken aback now, I think is a good sign because we can say, oh yeah, well we're no, we no longer do that. Yeah, that's no longer yeah. so. And a lot of times, you know, in those cases, it's sometimes you know when people say, "Oh, that's that's not funny," as in that's not funny, it's offensive. I always think about like, well, a lot of times it's not funny because it's not funny. It's like it, the punchline has to be greater than the setup. Is my yeah. Formula. My last my last album was called Mr. Funny Man. The special before that 
was called I Know It's Wrong. And a lot of the gist of that special was, you know, these are these are things that are becoming taboo, and I know it's wrong. And now I look, I couldn't do, and that was recorded in 2014 or 15. I couldn't do half of that show now. I couldn't do half of it. Um, and but to me, that's really fun to explore, and that's what I'm doing now. Is you know, what if we, you know, is talking about this stuff, you know, in, in, in a way that's that's funny, but also uh, not 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 and not complaining like. You know, n- not not whining at the depth of privilege, yeah, but yeah. really examining what's changing and why, in a way that isn't, uh, you know, oh, the poor white guy doesn't get to do whatever he wants anymore. But in a strange way, in the past, you know, two years, I would argue, it's kind of co- pushing in the other direction, you know. Much to all of our peril and and shock, because you know yeah. that's a lot of things have become acceptable to do and ways to act. And it's like, oh yeah, Nazis are just the same as people that don't like Nazis. <laughs> yeah, say. well, that's you know that's yeah that's um, when, when someone this is not my quote, but it's a brilliant quote. Um, when you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. <laughs> And, uh, you know, people who think they're being oppressed will have a violent reaction. And, you know, the societies don't change in a, in a, in a comfortable, easy way. You know, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of growing pains. And, you know, the, you know, the big, the big race riots in the 60s happened after the Civil Rights Bill was signed. You know, it's, these things don't change overnight and everybody walks away happy. It's, uh, our culture is, is messier than that. Human nature is messier than that. Oh, definitely. But that makes it very exciting to do stand-up specifically, where you're in front of an audience and you have a um, an immediate uh, feedback, and um, people in the audience have different opinions of what's acceptable and what's not. Um, you know, uh, people used to, you know, the, the, the common trope was conservatives are tough and liberals are snowflakes. But uh, when I make a joke about Trump, uh, conservatives throw a tantrum uh, more than any liberal I've ever seen. I was in Portland, of all places, you know, liberal Portland, and I made a mild Trump joke, a mild Trump joke. I forget what it was, but it wasn't even specific to him. And uh, a guy threw a bottle of beer at him. Oh, my God. You know, it's just like they don't want to hear it. And so uh, that's another thing that's really interesting to uh, to see. But as in all things, you know, the people people are always accusing other people of their own crime. That's uh, that's a common trope. Yeah. Do you think overall, though, that it, it'll kind of help move comedy forward? Because you know, there is a tendency not only just for, for those kind of things, but just to laugh at things that have already been laughed at. And I'm not even talking about you know the sixteen candles and and regulars and that kind of stuff, but just. Things in general just seem to, you know, there seem these things we fall back on that we, oh, that's always funny. But I mean, maybe it's time to move on. Just Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, senses of humor, of, you know, people's sense of humor evolves. Um, it evolves and changes. And, uh, and things that were funny stop being funny. And, and that's... Uh, you know that, that that's good. If, if everything was always the same, uh, it would imply that uh, you know the culture had died. Um, so so in that regards, it's it's healthy 
and I find it really like I'm I'm more in this climate where people go, oh my God, you can't joke about anything anymore. People are so sensitive. Yeah, they are. That makes doing comedy really exciting. Um, you know that may you know I I like putting people in a potentially uncomfortable situation to see what happens where the, you know, uh, I'm, I'm more excited to do stand up now than I've been, uh, 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 than ever because, uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous again. That's, that's that always moves an art form forward, be it, you know, music yeah. or theater or, or anything. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's encouraging for the young guys and gals out there doing the standing. Yeah. Panel. I don't like to, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I, I like to I like it to be um, I like it to be exciting. I like it to be uh, 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 I like to be uh, you know um, challenged as it interesting and alive. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it to just be. That was a pleasant evening of stuff I've already forgotten. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... So do you get the chance to do much stand-up anyway, all these projects we were talking about? It, it seems like you, you you know, don't get as much. I, I, yeah, my, schedule, my stand-up schedule has changed, changed where I always used to go out about, you know, I, I used to go out about once a month. And now um, I go out, uh, uh, I have to take basically May to October off. Because I'm in production on the show, pre, pre-production, production, and post-production, um, and then starting in November, I I, I hit it hard. I'm going, uh, I'm going out every weekend through the end of the year. I'm doing uh, Atlanta, Minneapolis, Philadelphia, Madison, Wisconsin, San Francisco, oh, okay. and um, uh, so to sort of catch up, um, and then we'll see what happens in the new year. <laughs> but uh, but. Uh, um, I, I'm really happy that uh, when one job that I have enough stuff going on between my podcast and the show and stand up uh, and and the movie and the book uh, that I always have something to do that I'm not sitting around idle uh, that I, I'm always uh, engaged in some kind of project because uh, I don't like to I don't like to sit on my hands and it seems that these things and I and I also find that the more I do. The more I create, you know, that it, it really is you know, your 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 imagination and your your creative impulses. They are a muscle, and the more you use them, and the more you work them, the stronger they are. Definitely, and it seems like you have most through most of these projects. I mean, I know you know you're on a network with your with the TV show, but overall, you seem to have a, probably have a good deal of good creative control. In most of the stand-up, obviously, you know, I have, I have, a, I have actually, I'm very, very lucky. I have complete, I have complete creative control of my stand-up, and complete creative control of my podcast, and I have an inordinate amount of creative control on my TV show because it's on IFC, and um, they don't, uh, you know, they're they're a small network and their sort of theory is, you know, you're going to make the you're going to make a show on a really really tight budget uh, and you're not going to be able to do anything you want and you're not going to be able to bring in a million guest stars you're going to have a really tight independent film budget but as a trade-off we're not going to sit on your head and 
overnote you to death. We'll, we'll leave you alone. And they are true to their word, and that's why they have shows like Stand Against Evil, Portlandia, Documentary Now. You know, as a result of that, you get these shows that are unique uh, and that you wouldn't get anywhere else because, you know, the trade-off for low budget is you don't have them in your hair all the time. And I will always take that trade-off. Cool. Well, we've got uh, Stand Against Evil on the list of shows to watch, and in fact, some of the shows we've been watching lately are kind of more in that wheelhouse, so maybe I can push that through when the family puts up for yeah, a Yeah, and pick up, uh, pick up a copy of uh, Planet of the Age Visionaries. I think you especially would really like yeah, it. Yeah, I take my daughter comic book shopping uh, once a week or once every other week, so I'll look for it at one of our shops. And, oh, uh, terrific. Let me check that out. Well, great, man. Good talking to you again. Always nice to have some Planet of the Apes talk uh, and some great. comedy Great. I hope talk. there was something quotable in there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And again, uh, we'll again, hope you see you in Cincinnati sometime soon, maybe in 2019. Yeah, I would love to come to town. I would, I would love to come to town. I love Cincinnati. Great. All right. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time again. Hey, man. I really appreciate it. Good to hear from you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks again to Dana Gould for being on the show. You can catch Dana, I'm not exactly sure where, but if you go to his website, danagould.com, click on events, uh, you will see where he is performing. It's giving an error right now, but hopefully we'll get that sorted. Also, of course, he has that uh, graphic novel he was talking about, and of course, the Dana Gould Hour podcast. You can find that, of course, wherever you get your podcast. The usual plugs, of course, uh, check, check, hey, blog, go check that out, and then nearly Lizzie's uh, YouTube channel. You want to check that out as well. And good news uh, for the end of the year, the big top five episode we do every year, the top five songs. Nearly Liza will be joining Fangirl and I for that. We're trying to get my wife involved as well, so we'll all be doing our top five. And that's uh, oddly one of the most popular episodes of the year, and it's going to be uh, the biggest one ever. So look for that at the beginning of January. All right, so here, uh, speaking of music, we got the song of the week here. It's Zara Larson. You might have known her from Lush Life, which I thought was a pretty big hit here, and it wasn't. It only got to 76 in the U.S. She had a bigger hit with uh, M&EK, Never to Forget You. Uh, that went to 13, and right now she has a song out called Ruin My Life. It's currently 14 in the U.K. It has yet to chart here, which surprised me because uh, it's really good. If you like the pop music, I think you're going to enjoy Zara Larson here with our song of the week, Ruin My Life. P.F.'s tape recorder, so long, and thanks for listening. I miss you pushing me close to the edge. I miss you. I wish I knew what I had when I left. I miss you. You set fire to my world, couldn't handle the heat. Now I'm sleeping alone and I'm starting to freeze. Baby, come bring me hell, let it rain over me. Baby, come back to me. I want you to rule my life, you to rule my life, you to rule my life, yeah. I want you to rule my nights, you to rule my nights, yeah, all of my nights, yeah. I want you to bring it all on, if you make it all wrong, let it make it all right, yeah. I want you to rule my life, you to rule my life, you to rule my life I want you to rule my life, you to rule my life, you to rule my life, yeah I want you to rule my nights, you to rule my nights, yeah, all of my nights, yeah I want you to bring it all on, if you make it all wrong, let it make it all right, yeah I want you to rule my life, you to rule my life, you to rule my life I miss you more than I thought that I could, I miss you Tomorrow